Hello and welcome to the Sales Leadership Awakening Podcast. I'm Stephen Rosen and I'm with my co-host, Colleen Stanley. And together, we're going to tackle the age-old issue of bridging the gap between knowing and doing, especially in the area of sales leadership. Over the month of January, we're going to focus on crafting how to have an excellent year versus mediocrity, being a blockbuster year as opposed to a lackluster year. Colleen? Stephen. Good morning. Good afternoon. I know we're in two different time zones. We can manage both. That's the beautiful thing about us. So I think one of the areas to take a look at to have the difference between a mediocre year versus an excellent year is the topic, the uncomfortable truth. Are we setting our sales managers up to fail? Because for presidents, uh, chief revenue officers, VPs of sales, like it or not, sometimes we are setting our sales managers up to fail, and that leads into not having a blockbuster year, but a lackluster year. Stephen, we talk a lot about the knowing and doing gap, but let's unpack this a little bit. What are some of the things in all your coaching conversations where chief revenue officers, presidents of companies, they have the right intention, but maybe the methodology is off as far as providing the right support for sales leaders? It's not an easy job, right? Those of you who have done it and are doing it or are new to it, you're a top rep. And then one day someone taps you on the shoulder and says, Colleen, we want you to lead the team. Yeah. And you pick up your hand and say, hey, I, I'm in and, and move forward. But no one thinks, oh my God, we got to make sure this person is ready, that they have the right tools in place, that they have the right skills, training, development to move from a top sales rep to become a top sales manager. And often the well-intentioned CRO doesn't have the processes in place to ensure they can make their manager successful. Uh, there's no skills required to lead a team and really a different mindset. So senior sales managers also forget that as much as they realize that their sales managers as part of the sales management process need to be coaching their reps, so do the senior sales leaders need to be coaching their new sales managers as well as their existing sales managers. So the sales managers, the coach, also need a coach. And so a gap I've observed, and maybe you have as well, nobody's coaching the coaches. Yes, 100%. And the, I don't know, the lemma, but the gap is that, hey, uh, I'm CRO and I'm asking my managers to be coaching their reps to make them better salespeople, but yet I'm not doing the same for my managers. And sometimes I'll be in with a CRO and just for the fun of it, ask them, what are your KPIs for coaching your sales managers? And what usually I get is a blank look. What are you talking about, Stephen? And you know what's interesting, isn't it? We've got metrics for our salespeople, sometimes even for sales managers holding the coaching cadences. But then if you go one level up, who's holding the VP of sales or chief revenue officer accountable to developing their team in very tangible ways. So I think it's a really, it's a big gap out there that I've seen in almost every organization I've worked with. I'm with you from a business perspective. It's not a bad thing because I, sometimes I will fill the gap, but I can't do it for every single month of the year. We may come in and help the group. We may coach the managers, but who sustains that within the organization? If exactly. they desire to have a blockbuster year, mm -hmm. right? Because that's what we're talking about, how to make sure the year is great. It's about getting the sales managers up to speed, but also sustaining that. Absolutely. So what do you think some of the reasons why sales managers are not just set up to succeed? I actually think it, it goes back to 
a personal accountability. So if you're the person raising your hand, you decide, hey, I want to be a sales manager. I do believe you've got to really apply that EQ skill of self-awareness and maybe to use Simon Sinek's words, why? So I think there's three questions to ask yourself if you're raising your hand. Number one, are you going to get as much enjoyment being a sales manager as you were an individual producer? And one of the questions I always ask sales managers that are considering this is, are you going to get as big of a kick out of your salesperson landing a big deal as when you yourself landed a big opportunity? Because I believe that's what really makes sales management fun is that you're happier for them exceeding their goals, meeting their goals than even you achieving your own. The second point is, and this is voice one I had to learn as a sales manager and eventually a VP of sales, I had to have the humility to admit I had some blind spots. Mm, My big blind spots is, A, I was a teller, not a coach. But even more importantly, and I know you work with a lot of your coaches on this, is I kept giving feedback in the manner in which I like to receive it. So I'm right. a direct person, grew up in a household where there was not a lot of fluff and stuff. And so I actually don't like that thing that's sometimes called the sandwich method. This, you yes. Three positives. And then the behavior you want to see changed. Just tell me the behavior you want to see changed. Well, Stephen, when I was coaching a rep and she actually started getting tears in her eyes and it oh. wasn't because she was this soft cupcake, as we call it, I wasn't giving her feedback in the manner in which she liked to receive it. She liked to have the accolades first. Now, as puzzling as that was for me, boy, was that a blind spot. And I couldn't blame her for not being a tough it up, bucket up person. That was on me. And right. then I think the third point to really consider, if you're raising your hand, you're going to have a very steep learning curve. Because as you mentioned, you've got to learn new skills. And I know we'll have you talk about these in a minute, but there's new skills to learn. That's going to take practice. That's going to take study. Are you willing to invest the time to learn the new skills to become as masterful at sales leadership as you were an individual producer? So I'm going to throw the ball back to you. And let's even talk about what are some of the hard skills these sales managers are going to have to learn, study, and master. I loved your story, first of all, about that young lady. And then it begs a question that you may have left I was hanging on it, hoping you were going to cover it, is how do we know what the right way to give feedback is? I learned it. I just started asking people, how do you like to receive feedback? It was a duh moment. Um, no, it wasn't. Yeah. From, everyone forgets that. Yeah. How do you like to receive feedback? And I have a consultant. He used to work with me for years. Now he's gone back into the public sector. And we love working together because we'd say, when we get on a coaching call, we get down to business. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was wondering where you were going. Yeah, but that's easy when you're working with someone that has the same communication style, maybe needs if we want to put it in that framework. So I simply started asking the question. Okay. And that's part of the role. Great sales reps ask the question. Mm -hmm. right? They ask great questions. Great sales managers ask great questions. So there yeah. are similarities there. And sometimes we don't bring that over. And some of the key skills that you may have not learned as a salesperson, right? Because a good salesperson doesn't necessarily make a great manager or the greatest one in hockey, Wayne Gretzky, did not make the best coach. In right. fact, he stopped coaching because he, he wasn't winning games. But in terms of skills, if you look at building a team, and if you want to set your sales managers up for success, teach them how to hire effectively. 
Oh, say I, that again and again. I will. I will. Yes, 100%. And it's different skills. You have to train on that. You can't just throw someone in and say, by the way, you got a spot to fill or they have a spot to fill and not give them any indication of a process. Because hiring, if you follow a process, it takes some of the pressure off the sales manager uh, to do that. So a company has to have a process. How does the, the new manager or even an existing manager, are they clear on what skills they're looking for? Are they clear on what a top performer in your organization uh, looks like? And those are some key clarities. You know, this is interesting because as you mentioned earlier, you can take some skills that you had as an individual producer. And if you know how to frankly do it, you will find there's some similar skills here. So what you just reminded me of, we are all over, like in sales training, right? Get your ideal client profile, the psychographics, the demographics, uh, the values. True. And how many of us have actually built that profile for our own sales team? Like, this is who plays well on my team at this time at my company. So you've got to have an ideal client profile when you're hiring. Well, 100%. And if you're not arming your sales managers with that, guess what? They're going to make hiring mistakes. They're going to make more hiring mistakes. And those are costly. They're a drain on time. They're a drain financially. So you need to get some things in place to set your manager up for success. We talk about the elephant in the room is, are we setting them up for failure? The opposite of that is, how do you set them up for success? In terms of skills, uh, anybody you ask, I'm sure will agree that coaching is the most important skill that impacts performance, right? Absolutely. We all know it. And we know how to do it. <laughs> even before that, one, do we have a methodology that the company follows? Many companies don't have a methodology. So coaching is left up to the sales manager's best guess at what a good coach looks like. Two, have they been trained on the methodology? Do they have KPIs that, hey, coaching is important? Do they build plans for their reps or do they do what I call flavor of the day coaching? Today, you got to work on this. Tomorrow, you got to work on that. That doesn't work in coaching because coaching is about creating skill proficiency, skill mastery. Mm -hmm. So to, to send the sales manager out and say, hey, go coach without having the skill or the tools to do it, again, sets them up for failure. And I think that okay. the one thing that you, you want to add something. What you're bringing to mind here. So going back to your hiring. So what I have found is a lot of companies don't have a hiring playbook. And when I ask them, so show me your hiring playbook, show me your interview guide. There right. isn't any. Everyone's just showing up and interviewer number one is going to ask this set of questions. Interviewer number two is going to ask this and none of them may match that ideal client profile. And secondly, your point as a methodology, if you don't have a sales playbook, some type of methodology, I don't even care how simple it is and because simple often wins. Yes. You can't coach without a playbook. If we look right now, we're in football season. Can you imagine all these players getting out in the field and somebody, the quarterback yells the play and everybody goes, huh, what play is that? <laughs> they don't get it. We do that to sales managers every day. 100%. So some of it is one training. How do you bridge that gap once you've trained to make sure it becomes reality? And then one of the most overlooked skills that are critical, and I know we're going to talk about it on, on an upcoming episode, is really... How do they execute the sales plan? Again, before we even get there, the question is, do they write an execution plan? Is there a template, a process in place to say, this is how we're going to execute? Do they know what their critical success factors are? Is everybody aligned on the team? If you have three sales managers reporting into you, 
and one thinks the most critical thing is growing new business, and the other one thinks it's expanding on existing business, you're not aligned as a sales leadership team. So unless we can help the new or even ongoing managers where you could have three managers and they all have three different goals. And unless you're aligned as a team, can you execute? Unless you know what your critical success factors are, can you execute? And of course, we need metrics to say, how well are we doing so we can track execution? And I think that's one thing that gets dropped off. Companies are great at, at, at building marketing plans. And then execution is lobbed over the fence to the sales team, the sales managers, and the adage that if it works well, it's a great marketing plan. If it fails, it's poor sales execution. And I guess that's the life of a sales leader. So those to me are some of the key skills that sales leaders need, but there's also the soft skill component. And maybe you can share with our audience what you feel are the key skills that we need to develop our sales leaders on. There's several. And one of the uh, interesting points is that soft skills almost give this inference that they can't achieve hard sales results. But if you really, again, unpack some of these skills, they are tremendous in building good teams, trust on teams and executions. Maybe if I had to talk to three today, the first would be emotion management, often called emotional regulation. And Mm. why this is important in building a team is that if you are a sales manager, that really can't manage your emotions. You're you're up and down all the time. And so oh on good God. days, you're good. When a problem comes along, you're not so good. And so what happens is your team sits there and whether they're remote or in an office, they're sitting there going, okay, what type of mood is he or she going to show up in? When they have to wonder how you're going to show up, that erodes trust. And in fact, there was a study done by the Center for Creative Leadership. They're out of North Carolina. They uh, surveyed 302 leaders, all walks, all titles. And what they did find was 28% of their success was attributed to emotional intelligence. And there was four pillars. First pillar, emotion management. Now, the second, I would say skills, I would look at empathy and assertiveness. And I put these two in the same bucket because here's what happens. And I really saw this after we came out of the pandemic. I had managers saying, I've shown a lot of empathy, but we've got to get some stuff done. Right? Yes. So do not confuse empathy for letting people off the hook. But why it's important to be able to state somebody's perspective is that if people don't feel like you've heard them, they can't hear you. And there are times when your salespeople's ears are on fire emotionally. So unless you can demonstrate empathy, they can't hear your great advice or counsel. But let's add the assertiveness here. Because You can state their perspective, but maybe this is where you need to change expectations. The bar needs to be raised, a habit, attitude, sales skills. When you can show empathy first and then assertiveness, then you're stating what you need nicely. Without assertiveness, very dominant salespeople, what I call that driver personality, can go into passive aggressive um, behaviors. They start going along to get along. I don't want to rock the boat. And so we talk about this in 10 years. So I would say if you looked at those three skills, uh, there's many more, but manage those three and you're going to build trust, but you're also going to build uh, build execution because behind execution, I believe is assertiveness because I know, Stephen, with the amount you've done on execution plans, there's pushback, it's change. We don't know what the future looks like. And that's when it's very easy for a manager to let off the gas, lower expectations. Mm. And so assertiveness and having self-awareness 
and empathy, you can have conversations that gets that execution done. I love that level of depth in terms of the emotional component of leading. I think companies are becoming more clued into that, the importance, but what are you seeing in terms of training sales managers or helping them develop their emotional intelligence? When we started in this work, gosh, way back in 2012, people thought we were crazy. I had colleagues saying, no one's going to buy that. And part of it was a fair statement because I think what is tough about teaching emotional intelligence skills, it can seem very intangible. And I guess you can give examples and concrete exercises. It just remains theoretical and never Mm. practical. So that's part of the reason. But now we're seeing a lot more interest in it. And I do believe it's this post-COVID pandemic environment. We've got a lot of people talking about mental health, uh, mental management, people stressing out and burning out. And so many of the soft skills can help uh, resolve a lot of those problems. We're seeing a heightened interest in it, actually, which is a good thing. Very powerful stuff. Yeah, it is. Stephen. Let's throw it to action because I know you're the execution king. Uh, Thank you. I wish I was. (laughs) If you were to give advice to those CROs, and let's take it at the CRO level, but sales managers, if you're a one-person sales manager, I believe this question can be asked as well. How do you evaluate that the plan is working? How do you evaluate that your sales managers are doing the right stuff at the right time? And stuff isn't a really fancy word, but let's face it. uh, Let's keep it down to simple brass tacks. Yes. Uh, It it is very challenging to assess how things are going. There's a very simple way to look at it. Sales to quota is a direct way of looking. Are your sales managers performing? So we do have lots of metrics to look at and say, hey, did they achieve what they set out to achieve? how they've done, how are they doing relative to other sales manager or how are you doing relative to the market? I guess if you're one, if you're many, then, you know, mm-hmm. how are people doing relative? But that doesn't tell you the whole story, does it? So if you look at the people component, right? Part of the role of the manager is we talked about hiring the right people, developing the right people, and then actually keeping them with the organization, retaining them. Yes. And so what other metrics can we look at? Because I'm going to do the hard stuff is the hard metrics. And one is turnover. Mm-hmm. Of course, the, I use I used to use the wanted versus unwanted turnover. So wanted turnover. <laughs> There's some you're like, thank you. Yeah. Well, good job. What took you so long? Right. And that's okay. Except that's it's what took you so long. And then there's the unwanted turnover. Are people leaving? Because most people don't leave for money. They leave because of their manager. If you achieve your numbers, but you've burnt your people out, there's other signs that the CRO wants to look at. And even if it's yourself, if you're turning people over, there's something wrong. And to me, one of the other things, uh, which is very hard to gauge, I've tried to build ways to do it, but are you growing your people? Are you helping, are you coaching them to get better at what they do? And certainly the training group can bring in skill assessments. So let's say you have your sales playbook and The first component is asking effective questions or setting objectives. We can evaluate how our salespeople are doing against the specific skill sets or competencies. And then look, have they grown? As a result of coaching, you want to grow your business, which Mm -hmm. is easy to track, but you also want to grow your people. And so my advice is if you're looking to evaluate how effective your sales leaders are or how effective are you as a sales leader, it's not just one metric. 
if you're going to hang your hat on, on sales to quota, that's great. But there may be other things you want to look at, especially when it comes to the people. Are you experiencing turnover? Or are you retaining your top people? And two, what are you doing to grow your people and have they grown over the course of a year? Because to me, a great coach, if you can help someone grow or develop in one or two key areas over mm -hmm. the course of a year, you've done a great job. This is interesting because it goes back to the sales goals and something we've talked about learning goals. Yes. And all of that, I would say, ties into an EQ skill of delayed gratification. Putting together these individual coaching plans, that takes time. That's putting in the work. And it's really looking at each person as an individual. Because again, I think it's so easy to fall into mass sales management. Okay, I, everybody's got this learning goal. I'm going to approach everybody sure. the same way here. But, and, and I got to tell you, that's something I've had to really work at. So I'm not just speaking at it. It's looking at each individual and how do you approach them? What's their personal goals? I know some of my managers always knew my personal goals and somehow would help me achieve those as well. That's and guess what? If you're happy personally, you're going to bring that into the workplace. Make your boss look good, right? Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So any other pieces of advice that you want to share with sales managers or to CROs that their sales managers don't fail? They're not set up to fail, but they're set up to succeed. I would say take a best practice that we see from athletics. And instead of starting to train people when they're in the role, why not start identifying high potentials? And Stephen, I had an interesting engagement a couple of years ago, and it was with a, a technology company out in California. And when they called me, I said, okay, are these people getting ready to go into sales management? No. Then I was puzzled, why are we training them? And their response was excellent. They said, here's what we're doing. We've identified, and they had to interview to be in this training program. Yes. They said, we've identified high potentials. However, ah. we don't want to set them up to failure. So if they go through sales leadership training and they know all the components, holding people accountable, having the difficult conversations, setting KPIs and goals, one of two things is going to happen. They're going to opt out, but they're still going to be a better human being because they've learned some of the hard skills and soft skills. And others will say, you know what? This is the role I want. And now we've given them the training before they step into that role. And it was just a really great insight for me and a wonderful team to work with. So they were investing before these people even got in those roles. Now that takes a leap of faith for a company because the thought could have been this, we don't want to waste money on somebody that's maybe choosing not to ever go into sales management. If you want to talk about something that costs you money, get a bad sales leader in pace. They're miserable. Their people are miserable. Goals are being missed. And as you said, turnover is happening. So train your high potentials. It's going to cost you some time and money, but you're looking at the financial statement the wrong way because a lot of times we're not capturing turnover, poor morale, uh, people not hitting their best potential. See, those numbers never get put on the P&L statement. So that would be my advice to our listeners today. Oh my God, that's great advice. And you didn't know this, but I, I am working on a hypo program and they've chosen a number of people and we're doing some assessments and some opportunities for self-awareness. EQ is one of the areas that mm -hmm. we look at. So not all of them want to be sales leaders and not all of them expect to be sales leaders, but what they're doing is they're investing in their people. And yes. I don't know how many people have said to me, maybe half, that no one's ever done this before. So you want to talk about retention strategies? 
just investing them and, and actually treating them as special. Yes. They're, they're getting something that no one else in the organization has access to. And some of the access is a professional coach to work with them on their strengths and weaknesses. Two is interaction with senior leaders in the organization. So there's lots of things we can do because part of it uh, I talked about is retention of our top people. Yes. If we show them the love, mm -hmm. they're more likely to stay than leave. If they're millennials and we show them the love and we coach them, they're not going to have a reason to leave. You talk about the word love and people might go, ooh, that's too squishy for business. Come on, people. Who doesn't need a little love? And I don't think I've <laughs> ever gone home at the end of the day saying, my boss loved me too much. I got <laughs> too much gratitude. I love the hard skills of training. And I know that's where you specialize in, but never forget those soft skills. You're still until AI takes over the whole world, you know, which I hope I'm gone by that time. Yeah, but we're not dealing with robots. We're dealing with human beings there. That's great advice there. So if you well, like what you heard today, and Stephen, unless you've got something to add, no, I've learned a lot from you, Colleen, as I always do. So uh, that's, why, that's why we do these. We're teaching each other, which is always fun. And, and that's the other quality I'd say. If you're looking to be in sales leadership and you don't find you like to learn, doesn't mean you're a bad person. But great sales leaders create thought leaders. But the only way you're going to get new thought is to continue learning. So with that, I will thank you for joining us today. And if you like what you heard, please subscribe. We're going to be here every week for you. Thank you.